Hulk Smash. You're listening to Infinity Rewatch with Andrew Fantasia and Ryan J. Whitehead as they rewatch the MCU in full and discuss like no one else. This podcast is inevitable. Here are Andrew and Ryan J. Whitehead. All right. Ryan, you ready to see something cool? Yeah. On my Pages app where I write my notes, I can change the color of, of the words. So for Captain America, what? I made it red and blue. Oh my god, that's so sick. I've been doing that with everything, but it never looks quite as good as this. This, this is the best it has looked. That's, oh, that is that's just, that touches my heart. It's right wonderful. The little, it's little <laughs> things. Uh, but this is not a little thing. This is a big thing. This is Infinity yeah. Rewatch. This is Infinity that's Rewatch. What, that's what we're doing right now. That's where you tune in. If you tuned in to hear the cooking podcast, I'm sorry. You tuned into the wrong one, but we're not letting you leave. No. Nope. I just put a deadbolt on the door, so sit down and get comfy because it's going to be a long night. I'm Andrew Fantasia. I'm Ryan J. Whitehead. And get ready to talk about killing Nazis with us because that's what we're talking about today. Oh. Killing those Nazis. So let's let's get into it. And again, thank you, Aaron, for that lovely intro. Yes. Let's. So first of all, we just got through Thor. Yeah. That was got it, through is I'm, the right choice. I'm still I'm still Thor from it. Oh. And you're Thor. You should see my ass. <laughs> Okay, so I actually have to start with a yeah. quick memory of this particular movie. So at this point, I'm actually working numerous jobs at this point. I think we're at, we're way out of school at this point. Um, yeah. My fond memory, though, of this was I, I saw the first set photo when they were making this film. And I just... I think I have, I have a note written, and I'm wondering now if it's the same one, because I have a note about seeing a photo and it driving me wild. Yeah, and it's, it's a photo of him... Uh, Before you say it, I'm going to go one, two, three, and then we're going to say what the photo is and see if it's the same thing. Okay. okay. One, one, two, three. Riding one, a motorcycle? <laughs> no, no. Oh! <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was. I, I was like worried because I'm like, I don't know how we're going to say it. Because for me, it was the scene where he rescues the 400 people and they're all cheering for him. And he's, oh. in, he's in the original World War II outfit. And I was just, oh man. I'm like, how are we going to say this? Because I don't know how I was going to say it. I did not see him on the motorcycle, but I wish I did because that would have been sick. But I remember seeing that photo on IMDb when they announced that they were doing Captain America. And I just saw that photo of him standing with Bucky and everyone's cheering him around around him. And I was like, oh my God, this movie's going to be so good. Yeah. And what a risk. They did a period piece movie in uh, in this saga, early in the saga. Mm-hmm. And, and again, Captain America at this point... Poor Cap, man. Freaking. So Cap had a good run in the 90s. He started picking up a lot of steam in the 90s. But he really? Because not a lot of characters have good runs in the 90s. So that no. is saying something. He he actually, but because he had a lot of talent that weren't talented yet. Oh. He had Jim Lee who did oh, wow. Wolverine and all that. Yeah. He was doing his comic in the 90s. Wow. Yes. See, Jim Lee's so big that even I know Jim Lee. Yeah, Jim Lee. So Jim Lee was was drawing some some Cap comics. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cap overall wasn't a popular character. He's he's pretty bottom of the barrel. Yeah. And this is where I was going back to when we were talking about the original introduction of this, this show. That if you t- went back in time and told me that a Captain America movie was going to be infinitely better than X-Men, I would have slapped you in the face. Yeah. I would have yeah. hit you so hard. I know. And, <laughs> and this movie... 
unreal this is where i felt marvel was like back in it like after thor i was like oh i'm not sure this is gonna go really well but no iron man cap right out of the gate crushed it crushed it thor they had the casting down story wasn't quite there yet um and and not they'll get thor right yes in avengers but but thor wasn't ready yet uh but cap oh my god best just my uh, i i I liked Cap before. I love Cap now. Yeah, I love Cap. It it is. Um, it's so fitting. I think that they got. Well, first of all, th- that photo really quickly, like him riding the motorcycle. That's what I saw. It was just a quick photo of him on on the bike. I think when he's uh, about to go charge into the Hydra base, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, "Oh my God, this looks like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade with Captain America." my brain just exploded i was like that's how can i go wrong with that that is two wonderful things rolled in one package and to top it off they got joe johnston to direct this thing now he's a star wars guy yeah he's a great director he is he start he cut his teeth on star wars and it's funny because this is arguably the most grounded movie of phase one uh x like it is a, it is not the movie I would think of if they told me you have to hire directors for Phase One and one of them is going to be a Star Wars director. I would have immediately pointed him in Thor's direction. Oh yeah. Um, but instead they gave him a World War II movie, and lo and freaking behold, doesn't this movie look and feel like a Star Wars movie? It does. It really does. It actually, really does. It, it's it's funny you say that, and and at the same time, now let's talk about we have Joe Johnston, mm-hmm. who again. And even I was watching a I was watching a documentary on it, and Kevin Feige said it was a risk. This was back in that risk time where they're like, "Let's do a period piece and see where this goes." And it didn't seem like a good idea at the time as it was rolling out. But the other thing is they picked up Chris Evans, and at this time he was known for doing Human Torch, and a lot of comic book fans. I even say myself, I wasn't sure. I was like, "Oh man." I, I he's already playing Human Torch. I can't see him as Captain America. I just but at the same time, Captain America wasn't well established enough yet to see him as a character. So mm-hmm. so yeah, it was it was a risky risky move. And um uh yeah, it was oof, weird weird choices, weird choices for this movie, that's for sure. But once that trailer came out, just oh my god! I don't even remember the trailer. Like, I, I remember like the I last remember my face trailer. melting. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, there's there's a reason um, that they had to they had to call the movie Captain America: The First Avenger. I never call it that in my brain. Mm-hmm. I always call it Captain America in my brain. But they they had to call it Captain America: The First Avenger. Do you know why? There's a legal reason why they had to do that. Uh, no, I actually don't know this one. Um, I'm not even going to try to guess. It, it's, it's, it's very straightforward. Um, there was, before this, a Captain America movie. Yes, there was. There actually was. two of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think by some, you know, whatever the copyright laws are, the rights issues, they were not allowed to make another movie about this character called Captain America because of whatever the rights thing was. So to get around that loophole, they were just like, well, let's call it Captain America colon the first Avenger because there's no rule that says we can't have a movie with that title. That's interesting because I do know there was the rights war and I'll Mm -hmm. tell you why because 
I was going to save it for Doctor Strange, but no, we're going to do it now. There's a Doctor Strange movie that came out, but they couldn't call it Doctor Strange. They, they thought it wasn't going to be good. Oh, you wow. can watch it. You, it's, it's fully watchable. They changed the names of all the characters, but it's a full-out Doctor Strange are you uh, gonna movie. blow my mind right now and say what it's called and it's gonna be like a really popular movie? I I wish I could, but I don't remember what it's called right now. You can be like, it's the Matrix Reloaded. No, like, I I will I as we do this podcast, I will find the details for you. Okay. My brother actually has a copy of the film. Um and they cast so do you remember Justice League, the the show Justice League? The the cartoon, like the, the Bruce Tim cartoon? Yeah, 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 the Bruce Tim cartoon. Do you remember Q, the the question? Yes. Yeah. The guy who does his voice played the original Doctor Strange. Oh, wow. I couldn't tell you who did his voice. Oh, it's so oh, good. It's, it's a weird, twisted film in terms of... It's got that cool 80s graffiti stuff that we talk oh, about. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's so well done. Um, but they have, like... He has, like, the amulet, the eye of Agamotto. He has everything. But it's all named differently. But it's a Doctor Strange movie. It's a full-on Doctor Strange movie. Wow. You know what that reminds me of? A really quick tangent. When I was a little kid, do you remember the um, the TV Guide channel? I think it was yeah. Channel Five. I was the very, Channel Five. Yeah, oh, I yeah. was very young. I was maybe seven years old, and I, it was one evening in my grandmother's house, and I'm looking through the TV Guide channel, and there was a movie on. I could tell it was a movie because the movies were as a different color, and the movie was called Doppelganger. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I knew that Doppelganger was a Spider-Man villain. Yes. And I so badly wanted it to be about Spider-Man. I put it on that channel, and it was literally just a scene of, like, a guy and a girl at a party, and they were dancing. And I was telling myself, like, okay, that's Peter and MJ. Like, I was creating this this world in my head where this was somehow a Spider-Man movie. And I'm like, yeah, that's Peter and MJ. They're dancing. And, okay, now they're making out. But at yeah. some point, Doppelganger is going to crash through the, through the wall, and, and they're going to have to fight. Like, my little seven-year-old brain was doing to this movie what you're telling me these, these <laughs> no, people did. This legit happened. I will, I will find it for you, and your mind will be blown. It wow. is legit a Doctor Strange movie. He looks like him. He's got the cape. He's got everything. He's even got the house. He has everything. They just he's got the sanctum sanctorum. Like he's the got window? the sanctum with the window. They literally pivoted last possible minute and just changed the name of all the characters. And they 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 just like dubbed it over so that so they didn't have to like there was no issue with like um uh, like stealing. There's no plagiarism thing. Like Marvel wasn't like hey no Marvel at first I think it was during filming they changed it, but. But Marvel was like, oh, in the end, we're not going to make a Doctor Strange movie. But, you know, we've already paid for all this stuff, so we'll just make a movie. And But it's legit. It's the story and everything is Doctor Strange. They have Baron Mordo in it. They have everything. That's It's incredible. so, so good. And I, I really wish they did stick with it because it really, at that time, you would have seen a really good Doctor Strange. It, it, what Blade did for Marvel, mm. would Doctor Strange would have done for Marvel if it, if it was released we got, When we get to the Doctor Strange episode, by that point, I want you to have found this movie. I will. I, like my, brother, my brother has it. We'll get into it because my brother Perfect. really likes the actor. So... So yeah, they cast Chris Evans. They cast. Uh, they have. Now here's the big casting one. They cast Hugo Weavings mm. as the Red Skull, I the war the criminal Skull. himself. Oh I my God, the Nazi Red Skull. Yeah. Um, he was. Um, he was interesting because I I didn't know this about the Red Skull. I didn't know that he was human once. I just thought he was like a weird looking dude. Yeah, Johann Schmidt. Johann Schmidt. Yeah. Um, and. I, I remember watching this movie and it came back to me when I saw it again now where I was like, 
I wish they had kind of played him like a Dr. Claw thing where you don't see his face instead of just like the human thing. Yeah. And then like he rips it off. I don't know. Something about the reveal of like, this is my real face. It it never clicked with mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I loved him as Red Skull. Like I didn't... Uh... Ooh, yeah. Oh my God. Um, I, I, I don't think I'll be able to find it now because they changed it. What do you, what do you um, for there? because when they uh, when they asked uh, Hugo Weaving to do Red Skull, there was a lot of interviews about how he was going to approach it because Red Skull is a famous villain. Mm-hmm. Again, when you think of Marvel villains, Marvel doesn't do villains as well as DC. I will I will as a Marvel fan admit that. But the villains they do have that are really good are really good. Yes, I would say Marvel does um, arch villains. Yeah, better than DC. Marvel does those top tier Doom, Red Skull, Magneto, Kingpin, Galactus. It does those villains really well. Thanos. Yeah. DC does like the whole Rogues Gallery really well. Yeah, and and so so again at this point in terms of the big the big bads, if you will, you mm-hmm. have like Kingpin, you have Magneto, you have Galactus, you have Doctor Doom, um, and you have Loki. But again, up there amongst like the top, like Doctor Doom is considered probably the top villain, followed by Magneto, followed by Red Skull. So he's like Red Skull's really high up there. Um, so, uh, so, so yeah, we have Hugo Weaving playing Red Skull here, and I was shocked because the last thing we saw Hugo Weaving do that was like really big. Uh, aside from a, a little-known movie as Transformers, was Matrix. He did Matrix. Um, so, oh, and I just made a Matrix reference five minutes ago, and I didn't even make that connection. Right? Oh, yeah, no, totally. So, I want to. I just. I need to find it because I was. Someone did an interview. Um, someone did an interview with Hugo Weaving, and they're saying, "How is he going to do?" his approach to Red Skull and he took two famous German people uh, in their accents Mm -hmm. and he made his own voice for Red Skull because of that and I was like damn Hugo Weaving that is brilliant and you and and they even played a clip of the two different German people that that he was trying to base his voice on and you can hear it you can hear where he got it from it's so good but yeah that was like i was just like oh my god and then they cast um they cast the guy who played zola who, toby jones toby jones yeah. who's really thank you i'm glad you got the name there toby jones and i was excited to see that they have zola and already you see that they have these big villain names as well as big character names in it they have peggy like you have agent carter mm-hmm. so already you're like oh my god they have agent carter in this and agent carter is a character but it's it's sharon carter that you see a lot more of yes yeah. not, i think not um, peggy is not not to spoil comics but i think she's the one who shoots captain america it's Sharon Carter, right? Uh, in Civil War, she thought she did. Um, but what happened was it was this huge, um, what's the word? Protest. There's a huge protest going okay. on. Captain America comes in. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And there's a homeless dude in there and he's got a gun. And <laughs> Bless you. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, so what ends up happening is in the midst of all these things happening, he shot, but I think it's it's confusing because I think there's it's another side story where they explain that Sharon had to put Cap down because he was getting too out of control, and they made it look like this homeless guy. But I don't know, I can't remember. But there was I remember there was that confusion 
but for the longest time, I'm pretty sure it was like the homeless person. What I hated about that story was Cap's supposed to be the ultimate soldier. How could he not be prepared for like a shot happening there or something like that? It just didn't feel right. But let's bring it back in. So we have Civil War already happening in the comics. Cap's popularity is growing, but he didn't get the popularity that he has today until this movie came out. Oh, yeah. yeah. He... My my cousin has a four year old son. I think he might be five now. Yeah. But that kid adores Captain America. He had like a Captain America guy come to his birthday parties like two years in a row. Oh wow. And that's just like it's so crazy because Captain America was around for as long as I can remember, but nobody ever had a Captain America party. No one had a Captain America party. Um, no one had an Avengers party. No. Everyone's an X Men or uh, X Men or a Spider Man kind of person, or Fantastic Four even. Like you'd have those heroes. Um, so yeah, Cap's in a Cap's in a weird spot when this movie came out. Um, he again, he was growing fandom, and he was in a lot of the video games. He was in a ton mm-hmm. of the video games. Ultimate Alliance came out. And he was a lot of fun in Ultimate Alliance. He really started yeah. throwing the shield. Was really fun. Oh, he really started growing on me in that in that show. Um, he was in uh, X Men for one episode, and he was again he was a good character That's there. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So Cap's really cool. So so again, this movie just had all the all the right things going for it. And once those set photos were released, it was just you knew you're in for a ride. And mm-hmm. the trailer was just on top of that. I remember in the trailer. And Marvel, I don't know why you do this in your trailers. Don't do the cool stuff in your trailers. Do everything you do is cool. Don't focus on the big payout. If they didn't put Spider-Man in the Civil War trailer and they just showed him in the movie, that would have been game changer. 100%. And I remember in the trailers they show they show Red Skull pull off his face. Oh no. And I was like, what? Well, I'm like my brother and I were just like like just yeah. electrically shocked and we're like, "Oh my god, this is going to be amazing." But why would you show it in the trailer? That's that's truly a sign of the times because that was less than a decade ago. But had that movie come out within the past two years, they never would have shown that in the trailer. They would have never they done never it. Never would have. And, it, and the payoff. Oh my god! If they, had they shown him as Johann Schmidt for the whole thing, mm. and the payoff of him pulling off his face, you see yes. the red skull face. Oh my god! Because you know you would have got suspense from us and there would have been like that little chunk of like haters online haters and trolls yeah. who've been like oh we, he's only a human that's not my red skull i'm boycotting the movie exactly well and, and then those guys would have had their faces slapped by that reveal oh in the my film. god yeah. and well you had that with batman begins because in the trailer they show uh, Rachel Ghoul as the Asian guy, uh, Ken, yes, Ken Watanabe. That's right. And then everyone's like, what the hell? And even in IMDb, I'm pretty sure till this day, it said uh, uh, Deccan Millard or whatever his name is. Um, <laughs> you, you just named a serial killer. No, um, uh, no I know what you mean. Um, Ducard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mele Ducard or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everyone's like, what the hell? He looks more like Rachel Ghoul than yeah. the guy does. And then you had the beautiful flip in the movie, and oh my god, if yeah. only Marvel did that. Oh my god. So anyways, let's get into it. So, movie starts. Boom! And what do we got? So, we have the... Uh, ice. I forgot it started with them finding him in the ice. I always, My brain always thought it starts with that little town in Norway. It does start with the little town in Norway first. It starts with the ice first. Oh, does it really? They chip him out of the ice. They're like... It, it, it's kind of like that scene in the first Transformers where they find mm. the thing or whatever. Uh, they're, they're digging through the ice. Oh, and, that's and, right. And they, yeah, they, 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 come the, they come to the big plane area. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah, so I love that they start at kind of the end of the film yes. and then and then play through the story. Uh, and I love it because they actually make a joke about it in in a deleted scene in the End Game where War Machine talks to Cap and he's like, "And you couldn't land the plane, like." <laughs> But it's funny. Uh, but yeah, it's a great shot. And then I love it because they find Cap in the ice. And that's a it's a that's a big comic book moment. Yeah. That's huge. They find Cap lying in the ice. I never had read a Captain America story. Um, but just that was part of his origin that I always knew. Yeah. Because it was famous. It was like he crashed a plane. They found him in the ice like the Avatar. And now he's being thawed out, and he's like, "Where am I? What's all this? Uh, Such a what good are all scene. these cell phone towers? What does this mean?" God, you need to watch that cartoon. I swear to God, <laughs> if you don't watch it within the next few podcasts, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Seriously. Anyway, so uh, yeah, so they start in the ice. Uh, good point out there. Um, and they find him, and they call the colonel. Uh, so they obviously call Colonel Nick Fury, mm-hmm. and they find him in the ice. Uh, and then they kick into. Uh, the old times and i think they get into the norway part then yes Yes. yeah it starts off with norway and i remember this was right short not right after avatar but shortly after avatar where everybody was cashing in on the 3d thing yeah and i remember i had to see this in 3d I, i go out of my way to not see 3d but this was only in 3d so i was like fine and i went to see it and i remember being genuinely like "Ooh, that's kind of cool when Red Skull pulls his car up and that Hydra logo on his hood just gets right up again. Oh, yeah. And I was like, ooh, I kind of like that. So, so okay, I love that because, again, we got the symbol of Hydra, which yes. is, again, a very big symbol. By the way, hail them. Hail Hydra. Hail, yeah, hail Hydra. Hail Hydra. God, Guys, we work for Hydra. Don't, don't. Don't tell Captain America. Don't tell him. Don't tell him. So, yeah, he comes up in the beautiful kind of like, I love how it's like this fancy Nazi car, essentially, yeah. is what it is. I love, I want that car. <laughs> I know. Um, and he comes, and I love how, uh, so again, they're, they're, they're tomb raiding, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I love it because already, what I loved about the MCU, especially with Captain America, is they've already set up multiple uh, uh realms with asgard and everything Mm -hmm. and now they've also stretched into time so you have different realities and you have different times now already and and you can see it now because marvel now has just this huge playground they can go anywhere now they've done in space they can go back in time they can do all sorts of things um so this part was really cool uh uh, you have Johann Schmidt come in and just totally own the scene. Hugo Weaving, uh, my friend, I really wish you'd return and reprise your role because you just, I mean, the guy who the guy who covers for you is doing a great job. But I think he he forgot the German accent in Infinity War. Yeah, I don't think he was Germanic there. But yeah, I miss Hugo Weaving just in general. Yeah, like that last the decade of two thousand to two thousand and ten, Hugo Weaving was everywhere. And then he just kind of fizzled away. He, it's because he boycotted. Uh, he boycotted those kind of movies. He's just oh. like, I'm done. He doesn't like doing them anymore. And then he did Immortal Engines down the road, which I, I fear that. Uh, I liked Mortal Engines a lot. I haven't seen it, so it's, I don't know. It's really cool. I, I I definitely will have to check it out if you think it's cool. So if you like world building, you'll love Mortal Engines. Okay, I'll have to check it out. But anyways, Hugo Weaving wiped off uh, all those movies, and he's like, I'm done. I didn't like. I didn't like Megatron. I didn't like. Uh, I didn't like the Matrix and all this stuff, and he just kind of walked out. And then, and then he kind of, I, or my understanding is, someone misinterpreted what he said, 
and then he had to backpedal and then at this point he's just like forget it mm-hmm. um but anyway so yeah i love the scene they introduce hydra and then they talk about Yggdrasil and they talk about the yes. lore of odin and and asgard and all this stuff and i love that they hit they hid the tesseract on midgard because asgardians actually in the comics and they do a great job in the movies um is they actually think midgard is like way beneath them they yeah. don't need to deal with them um they actually mention it uh Thanderol mentions it in thor where he says you go you, you don't go down to midgard and hurl a little lighting lightning and they worship you as a god so clearly they look at them as quite inferior um so yeah so they hide the tesseract there and then again he mentions it's the tesseract so again that's the kind of discovery moment it's like okay is it the cosmic cube or is it this just random object right. that marvel i don't created. think they ever call it the cosmic cube once in no but it's a cube mm. right and we didn't think it was a, we weren't convinced it was a gem because gems were known to be small right right and we up until this point we never had any reason to believe the gems were going to even be in the picture no no and and you guys will clearly know what podcast we get to where they actually we actually find out that it is a gem. Yeah. Uh, so Black Widow podcast. Oh man! <laughs> so so at the time of this recording, the Black Widow trailer came yeah, out yeah, this week. Out. Yeah. Did you watch it? I did. You better have watched it because yeah. you haven't watched the cartoon, but you watched the watched Black the Widow trailer, trailer which tells me you don't like the cartoon at all. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so no, the Black Widow trailer. I have a theory about this. So. Uh, quick off tangent and again we haven't even really started in the film yet but we're already off on tangents so during world war ii the enemy faction is hydra yes okay in black widow during the cold war times there was an enemy faction group that wasn't hydra it was called the leviathan Ooh, i thought and you were going to talk about aim because i know aim is a thing aim is an enemy science faction oh, okay but during there's two obviously during like the main wars mm-hmm. like the world war ii and then the cold war during the cold war um and this is where i think the black widow story is going knock on wood i hope it's going this way so um zemo and Civil War went to the Russian facility where they tried to replicate the super soldier serum. Mm-hmm. That's the group that's the Leviathan. And they they actually created a Russian Captain America who's called the Red Guardian, yes. which is played by David Harbour, um, which looks like he was successful because he was a, by the by the looks of the trailer, he kicks down a door, so mm-hmm. a pretty massive door. But yeah, they created the Red Room. They have the Black Widow program. So, so I just want to point that out because Hydra is the main enemy faction here, but we might see that in Black yeah, Widow. It all leads, it all, it all funnels back. Does all this um, integration and tying in stuff. Anyway, so... He steals uh, the cube. He steals the cube. From Filch, from Harry Potter. He's the guy guarding the cube. Uh, there you go. He's like, hello, I, I'm guarding a cube. Um, and there, there's actually... Uh, I mentioned Indiana Jones earlier, and... Johann Schmidt has this great line that sounds like he's talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark because he finds the cube and he says, and the Fuhrer digs for trinkets in the desert. That's true. Oh, that's so good. Oh, oh. Lost Ark of the Covenant. Oh my God, that's so cool. Yeah. We all know who wants to find the Lost Ark of the Covenant. Christine Everhart, who is a nihilist. Oh God, just let it go, five. man. Just phase let it go. Five, she's looking for the yeah. Ark. So, okay, so now we get into um, Steve Rogers' story, Mm -hmm. and I really love, this is a genuine, genuine story. Whoever wrote uh, this movie, I think it's the two guys that have been writing most of the Marvel movies. It is, it's Marcus and McFeely. Yeah, Yeah. Marcus and McFeely. Yeah, those guys, 
they are brilliant. They are brilliant storytellers because they establish this great story about this guy's heart, this guy's heart yes. of a character. And and Chris Evans says in an interview, like he's like he's like uh, uh, Steve Rogers is everything I wish I could be. He's good for the sake of good, and mm-hmm. it's it's so true. Um, and I love it. So he's trying to get enlisted. He doesn't quite get it. Um, and he goes to the movie theater, uh, and then he, he ends up fighting this bully, uh, which is, which is really funny. Um, and, uh, so he fights the bully and then Bucky comes in, which is great. We yeah. see Bucky right out of the gates from the comics. Uh, and it's funny cause you see, I love the little things again, you didn't need it, but it was nice to see where he picks up the, the, the garbage can lid yeah. and he uses his shield, uh, which is really cool. Um, uh, but Here's let's fast forward. Uh, Bucky goes, "Oh, we got to clean you up. I'm going to take you on a date." Uh, and he's like, uh, "I'm going to take you to meet some girls." And he hands them, and he goes, "We're going to go to the the world of tomorrow." And we get Howard Stark's world of tomorrow, uh, where we see a suit of the first Proto Man, uh, or I think it was called Prototype Man or whatever. Uh, but that's the first Human Torch suit. I totally missed this. Now this is before Human Torch, like yeah, the I, Human Torch. I know about this Human Torch. Yeah, he's yeah. he's from that group that was like with Namor and everything. Yeah, and they started off. I think it was Timely Comics and it yep. his whole thing. But I totally missed that in the movie. I didn't that, see the. Human that's Torch. the suit. The first. The, the where which scene is this? It's the establishing shot of the world of tomorrow. It comes uh-huh. down. And you see uh, you see a guy in a glass tube and he's wearing a red suit. Oh my! That's God. the that's the Human Torch suit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so uh, and then and then uh, we get Howard, and I didn't mind this at first. I was a little like, "What the hell? Like, why would you change? Why wouldn't you just use the John Slater guy mm-hmm. from the Mad Men to to play How- a younger Howard Stark?" But they didn't have that age reversing technology quite down yeah. yet. Uh, but at the same time, when you're doing time period pieces like this, especially when at this point howard stark is supposed to be really young like yeah. we're talking like early 20s this is yeah this is like 20 years before he would have been played by john slattery so it yeah. makes sense it, uh, it's possible it's believable yeah it's believable and i i put in my notes because i wasn't sure in iron man 2 uh when it starts off at stark expo and he says like when my dad started the first stark expo and he's like talking about the history of the expo yeah i'm assuming this is the same expo like the maybe the first one of that series, because he says my dad started doing the Stark Expo way, way back yeah. in the day. Yeah. So I, I was like, I don't remember if he said specific years. No, he didn't say but... specific years. Um, I don't think, I don't know, because it's it's hard to say. I would definitely think it's his first one. Mm-hmm. It's his, definitely his first, because I love how he's showing the flying uh, the flying car. Yeah. Uh, Stark's Ravitic reversion technology, I think it is. Still just a work in progress, folks. Yeah, uh, but it's... It's definitely his early attempt at, at uh, repulsor technology. Yes, uh, yeah, which is really 100%. nice. Uh, which is really cool to see. Um, and by the way, I wrote down I, I couldn't figure it out because I don't know her name, mm-hmm. but Bucky's date. I know I've seen her before. I think she has become famous since this movie. Oh, really? I don't know who she is. Oh. And I was I was trying to look on I'm looking on like you know the Wikipedia page and everything, but I don't know if she was given a name. So it just kind of slipped past me, and I couldn't solve the mystery. But uh, yeah, I think she is somebody. I think Bucky's date is somebody. Uh, she might be. I'm going to look into that for you, sir. Uh, I I did take a lot of notes for this one, but I, I I I have them all. I didn't write them all down. I had them all in my head. Um, 
Because there's a lot of comic book characters in this one, let me tell you. Ooh, I can only imagine. Uh, Let's see, you got the INTP. There we go. Where's the girl, though? That's what we were looking for. I feel like... Well, we have Natalie Dormer, who plays Private Lorraine. But she, uh, more importantly, she's from Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I don't even know if that character has a name in the credits or if they just call her Bucky's date or whatever. I don't think they say names. Stark girl, Molly Fitzgerald. No, that's the one that gets kissed by Howard Stark. Yeah. Uh, Project Rebirth Nurse, uh, Star Spangled Singer, Autograph Seeker. Wow. I think she was a brunette if that helps, but I just... Oh, no, I know what she looks like. I just... I would pretty sure it's... I just saw a girl with dark hair there. USO Dancer. No. No. Because I feel like... When I saw her, it was a point where I was like, she's famous enough that now her name would, like, she wouldn't be one of these names on IMDb that's no. just got no picture. She would she would be a little higher up in the in the yeah. list there. Army Heckler, Hydrogard. Okay, we're going to be looking for a while, so yeah. let's let's uh, continue on here. Uh, but we meet uh, one of my favorite characters in the MCU. We meet Dr. Erskine. Oh, yes, Dr. Erskine. Yes. I love this dude so much, and what a great role. Stanley Tucci like never fails. He never fails to deliver the goods. And he took this character and just made him just so wonderful. Like when I see Dr. Erskine, it just puts a smile on I would him. say just warm. He's a yeah. warm character. 100%. Um, yeah, so so they bring in and and again they they pay good homage to him in the Incredible Hulk by calling him Dr. Reinstein, which is one of his mm-hmm. aliases. Um so uh so yeah dr dr Erskine, i loved it it was such a beautiful human connection that they have and he and again the relationship is just so genuine like a lot of the the relationships in this one and and we didn't talk about it but we should um captain america's body size make him look scrawny and the head replacement um a lot of people said it wasn't technically good but i bought it i bought it yeah. it really fit the like i think it was just the the delivery of the lines and the the way they did the acting together kind of thing was really cool um my understanding is they actually filmed it twice they did one take with the scrawny guy and then one take with with chris evans um just to see his facial reactions to everything right. happening around him which was really nice um yeah i don't think it ever looked stupid or silly it didn't look forced it no. didn't look forced it, it really was relaxed into the whole scene and i think that the the um, performance of chris evans really helped sell it because it was it was genuine he was never like goofy when he was a scrawny kid he was never yeah. like Whoa! he was just he was exactly captain america just without the body yeah and and so when he goes through the training boot camp i love i love oh my god i love tommy lee jones as um tommy lee jones is always a jerk in movies like this he's uh what's his name uh general oh my god it's gonna oh my god i'm so sorry general guys. e speaking yeah uh, that's his name edward speaking no, that's a lie. i see what you did that um the one one note I had for the training montage, which I have to admit, it's probably my least favorite thing they did in the movie, which was the grenade test. What? Um, you didn't like that? That was wicked. I understand what it was doing. It was Colonel Phillips. Plot-wise. Colonel Phillips. Thank yeah. you. I understand what it was doing plot-wise, but the again, maybe it's just I'm ignorant and maybe I don't understand how grenades work, mm-hmm. but every single person had already jumped clear so I was like, did he need 
to go on top of it? Or is it like a thing where if somebody doesn't go on top of it, it'll still kill people because that's how grenades are? Like, so do you do you need a suppressing force on top of yes okay. um i'm surprised i'm surprised in you sir because had you watched the simpsons and you watched the flying hellfish episode what does abe lincoln do or abe well abe lincoln abe simpson, abe, abe simpson but when he, the grenade hits he puts his he helmet puts that, on it but there were other soldiers like right there this was like Everybody had dived clear. Yes, but the point of the test was everyone was afraid of it, and he was the only one to go in there and try to su- suppress the explosion. That's why you put your body over it, mm. is because you're trying to suppress the explosion as much as possible. Because if the explosion goes big, it I could see. cause cause more damage, right? Or or shrapnel will go further out. Yes, that's true. So yes, he did. He did a very noble thing, and in fact, I think even Peggy Carter was going to dive for it because yeah, you see her. Was... You see her start moving towards yeah. it. Um, so yeah, so the grenade test, uh, which I have a theory that when they do the animated series with the watcher, that that's, that's the test where she gets the grenade first. And then they say that she, she gets, she should deserve now, it. Now let's talk about her for a second. She, mm-hmm. she gets introduced. We meet Peggy Carter. Well, I love when she's introduced. <laughs> yeah. What's with the accent? Queen Victoria <laughs> thought we were listening in the U S one. As soon as that guy opened his mouth, I was like, he's going to get punched and <laughs> nobody's going to care. Yeah. Um, I have to say this out front here. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is full of beautiful people, both men and women. Yeah. Um, But if I had a gun to my head, which I do because you're very violent. You guys can't see this, but Ryan is constantly threatening me with weapons. That's why he knew so much about a grenade. We have a a Thor's hammer. We have Cap Shield. We have Iron Man's helmet. You have uh, the Winter Soldier's rifle pointed right at my comments. I would say Peggy Carter is by far the most beautiful woman in the MCU. I think Haley Atwell. It's man. very close. It's very close with for me Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie because I'm like in love with Tessa Thompson. Those two are like almost neck and neck. But if it came down to the wire, if I could marry any one woman in the MCU, it would be Haley Atwell. I think she is just absolutely. Beautiful. She's a bombshell, man. She's just so gorgeous. Um, a lot of beautiful women in this movie, actually. Who would, uh, who, who would be your your one MCU woman where you're like, ooh, your heart is stolen away? Oh my god, I don't know. I don't know. I would love to say Zoe. Zoe plays Gamora. Oh yeah, Zoe Saldana. Uh, Zoe Saldana. Actually, fun fact: there's there's only one man in Hollywood who I would be like, you know what? Even as a straight man, I would probably kiss him if he asked me to. And he happens to be in the MCU. Really? Yeah. Do you want to take a guess as to who he is? <laughs> do you want to take a guess? Is it Samuel Jackson? <laughs> no. I'll give you a hint. Okay. We haven't met him yet at this point. Oh, is it Chris Pratt? No. Not Chris Pratt, eh? We haven't met him yet at this point? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's Ant Man. It's Paul Rudd. Oh yes, Paul yes. Rudd is my man crush. I would, I would actually also say Evangeline Lilly. She would be your your number one choice. She would wow. be my, my number one choice. Very, First very of all, her wasp just. Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, no, she's gorgeous. Um, no, there's so many. I mean, um, uh, Palm. I can't pronounce her last name, but the girl who plays Palm Clementieff. Yeah, yeah. She, she she's actually French Canadian. Yeah, she's from she Montreal. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Um, she is. Absolutely stunning. I mean, Mantis, she looks good, but when you see her in real life... Yeah, yeah, in real life, she's, she's a gorgeous lady. Stunning woman. Even, um, like, when they put 
weird funky antennae and mm-hmm. like bug face on her she still manages to look pretty so. actually okay no no i did i now realize my number one and it's she's not even that big of a marvel character but she's in the marvel movie she's in captain marvel um and she plays one of the kree soldiers that that's that on the star squad i know exactly who you're talking about yeah, yeah. A- i forgot her name astrid but... uh mm. uh what's her name but she's wow. stunning i love stunning. that your choice is so under the radar yeah no my over like my in the radar choice would probably be evangeline lily mm-hmm. i would love to say scarjo but i feel like that's what everyone would go for scarjo is gorgeous and she is absolutely stunning too yeah the just Haley Atwell, man. She is my kind of lady. She mm, is just, mm, I, just... I wish funny. I was alive in World War II so I could go meet her, even though I know she's not real. She's not a real... You just go she's, meet her today. I could, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Peggy Carter, a real character in the comics. Uh, good to see her in the, in in her prime form. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, you usually see her just the, the older woman. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so so I love this, this training boot camp sequence. It's really nice. It's fun. It's fun. And what I like about it is, again, you just see how clever Steve Rogers is. Yeah. Like, the flag scene is a cheesy scene, but it's smart in the sense of, like, it shows where his qualities are coming from. Yeah. It's straight out of Mulan, too. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's straight out of Mulan as well. Um, so, yeah, we're getting that. We're getting a good character building sequence. Um, but let's talk about Project Rebirth. Let's get right into what the Strategic Science Reserve is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that scene. They talk about, first of all, they talk about, um, uh, Dr. Erskine talks about uh, Johann, uh, Johann Schmidt. Yeah. And that's a beautiful scene. Like Just like as he's telling the story and you're seeing the, the visuals for it. It's a great scene of how he's always going after this, like all this stuff. Um, and then talks about, you know, th- that his formula turns bad to worse and, and you know, the, the value of being good kind of thing. Uh, I love it. And then the Project Rebirth scene is, is fantastic. And during this time, um, again, we only see Johan Schmidt as Johan Schmidt. Yeah. And, and even in the Norway scene, I love the shot he takes and a piece of blood lands right on his, his medallion. Yes. And it's yeah. the Hydra thing. And then... It's a red skull. Skull. It's a red skull, and then um, uh, we get we get Project uh, Rebirth, or was it? Wait, do we do we see the testing with the test rack? Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, we do because they test that we'll, we'll get we'll take over the world. Yes, yeah, yeah. Where, that's where we meet Arnim Zola, <laughs> yeah. who is. I, I think it's interesting how when we first see him, he's got like the magnifying glass over his face. Yeah, the camera like, on his face. Yeah, yeah, and it alludes to how he is in the comics yeah because they do it twice actually in this movie yeah oh wow i didn't notice a second time but he i found it funny because it's he's one of the characters where his look in the comics is so out there that i can understand why they didn't make him look like that they kind of do something special with him in part two in winter soldier where he's oh i love what they did with him in part two he's closer but i understood like as soon as i saw him even like the first time watching the movie with, with the camera and like zooming in on his eye, I'm like, okay, I get why they did that because that's a friggin' weird looking character, and they have to they have to sort of call attention to the fact that like we're not gonna make him look exa- with like the screw head and everything. Cause well, okay, so let me describe it. So basically, picture a hazmat suit, yeah, and then the chest is replaced by a TV. And the TV screen is his face, and then on top of the his head is a camera. Yeah, that's what Zola looks like, and it's really bizarre. Um, so yeah, it would have been impossible to do it in the movies, but they did a 
fantastic job introducing this character. Yes. Fantastic. I love it. Um, so they had Zola, uh, and they test the Tesseract, uh, and I love how they break away from the Nazis at this point. They establish mm-hmm. that Hydra is its own division now. Um, and I love the love the soldier where he's like, wait a minute, Berlin is on this map. And then the Hydra is like, so it is. <laughs> and it's it's a great, uh, again, uh, Hugo Weaving like just really plays with the scene and has a lot of fun being a villain, and it's really good. Um, but yeah, so the transformation sequence, Project Rebirth. Um, now, in the past, it was more of a serum. Put him in, boom, he's he's Captain America. Yeah. Spider-Man did a weird take on it, the Spider-Man cartoon. It was a pool, a green pool, and then Cap walks into the green pool. And then... I feel like in the 90s, everything was a green pool. Yeah, I mean... Like Ecto High Sea Cooler, the, the slime from Uh-Oh! The Game Show. Like yeah. Everything was just, how can we get green slime into America. Uh, Ninja Turtles yeah, had TGRI with the yeah. weird ooze. Yeah. No, so yeah, so they had this like green pool. He walks into it and then it absorbs into his body. Um, so I like how they did this one. Uh, they actually introduced Vita Rays, which was a part of his transformation Ooh, okay. process um, in the comics. Uh, and they, yeah, so the serum and the serum's very hard to replicate. But uh, yeah, I loved it. So the chamber closes on him, transforms. Uh, he looked very jacked for uh, Captain America. Well, there's one of the, I think the funniest lines in the movie was um, right as he's going in, and there's I think that politician who comes to watch, and he's like, "Jesus, somebody get that kid a sandwich!" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, great scene, and again, I love the I love that there's a German spy there, blows yes. it up, sabotage, classic. Uh, Earth's ground gets shot. Uh, and I love it because the scene, he, you know what, you know, talk about acting choices. I don't know if maybe in the script he actually did have a line, but all he did was a simple tap on the yes. chest as what he did yes. before he went into the test. It I'm was so glad so you good. brought that up because I remember thinking as I was watching it now, I'm like, oh, I hope he doesn't say like, be true to your heart because it would yeah. be like cheesy. And uh, they they didn't go that route. They literally just had the point into the heart, and that's all you need. And that's it. And because he ended he ended the line before the test. Uh, before the test, he says, "A good man." Yes. And he said, and he points at him twice, and good he just man. same thing. Yeah. When he's shot and he's dying, just a simple tap on the chest. Good yes. man. That's all that is, and I love that. Oh. Uh, so we have a great shot of uh, the chase sequence where they go after the German spy, and Peggy really gets some solid moments. Uh, in fact, um, uh, British soldiers were known for their marksmanship. They were extremely, Ooh. extremely accurate, and uh, and you see that with Peggy Carter. She lands the shot as the guy's going up the stairs and on top of that she kills the guys that are driving away great shots um and so and i what i loved about this scene with captain america is normally in a lot of superhero movies once they get their powers they're quite graceful already like they don't they seem to just get it Mm -hmm. cap he runs into a store like he can't control his because the force he's generating to run now is significantly different so for him to turn and stuff it was nice to see him like stumble and fall through Uh, and it's funny how you say when he was scrawny you don't see him as goofy he's very you know that's just how he he's very well coordinated within his size but when he's bigger he's actually more clumsy because he doesn't understand his his body weight yet which makes total sense which again writing wise Mm. brilliant right so he's got that chase sequence he's running and 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 he goes after spy now a couple things to note picks up the car and it says lucky star on it so already they're adding those layers um i thought this was interesting actually with the kid 
uh, throws in. And I thought it was such a nice moment because swimming was a big thing. Kids should learn swimming. And I love that. I love that they actually point out the kid knows how to swim. We were actually talking about that before we, we rolled uh, on the podcast about how you were teaching swimming to people you actually tried to teach me once but it didn't fare well I no can't no you're very you're... so if cap had thrown if the hydra agent rather had thrown me in that uh river i would have drowned that's terrible that's terrible <laughs> that kid was like go get him i'm a new yorker from 1942 yeah oh yeah but uh, so and then it's cool we see the hydro sub which is really neat but go cap man that dive and then he polar bear swims right yeah. up to it just now here, here's another question for you about how things work so you taught me about grenades. Now, I want to know how the hell do cyanide pills work? Because when you see them in films, it feels like it's so, and this could just be it's lost in translation on camera, but it feels like it's so effortless for the person to be like, crunch, ah, I'm not going to tell you anything now because I've been into the tooth. Mm -hmm. But it looks easy, and I think if it was easy to bite into a capsule that would kill you, that doesn't make sense. It should be very difficult okay. to break a, a cyanide pill. So I don't know chemically how it works. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you the accurate description, but essentially what's happening is your body's essentially foaming so much that you eventually clog up your airway and you, you choke and die. Oh. That's what happens. Um, now on the whole pulling the tooth thing, how easy he made it look, you ever have food stuck in your teeth and you suck it try to suck it out with your tongue mm -hmm. that's essentially what you're doing but see now let's say it, it this guy yeah is eating you know he's, he's having some roast beef one night and he's having dinner with his wife and uh, he's like oh i have some food stuck in my teeth i better get it out what if i accidentally break my pill <laughs> no no i think like, obviously when they're eating or what have you like when you're on the mission yeah put it in Oh, so it's not there 24-7. It's no. not like a dentist does a thing and it's like, okay, this is no. in you for when life. When you're on mission, they, they have like a special substance. They, it's like dentures. You stick it in your, uh, you stick in like a little glue and pop it in. Oh, and then. Okay. So, so basically it feels like a loose tooth in the sense that when you're ready to just yank it off, that's when you, you're yanking it off. But it's not something that's easily detachable from your, your jaw now. Hmm. Okay. Because... It in my head, it was like this guy's running around the rest of his life with this very volatile thing no. in his mouth. Oh. No, there's a there's a movie, there's a movie that did a good job of demonstrating when to apply this kind of tooth. Um, but essentially, you carry around a little case with the tooth in it, and then when you're ready to go on your mission, you open the case, put in the tooth, good to go. Now, what if like <laughs> not to keep our? I love how like yeah. Why is this is part of the story here? What if? This is not infinity dentistry. Like. Oh, isn't it though? Uh, what if Cap had like punched him and it, it it triggered the tooth without him wanting to trigger the tooth? Like what if he was like winning and he's like, I don't need to kill myself. I'm winning. And then Cap just gets in like one good punch mm. and it breaks. The tooth. Did you see like the amount of force he applied to actually like. That's the thing. It didn't, it didn't look like there was it a lot did. of It did. He's like, he did this. Huh? <laughs> like it was like such like it was so theatrical like <laughs> and i say theatrical because it was so animated right. um but yeah no it was it was a struggle man this, i mean when you're punched you lock your jaw right mm -hmm. and i don't think like first of all that tooth is well protected by by your cheek so yes he could have punched and yes knocked out teeth it could have happened uh -huh. but it didn't 
So let's just move on. <laughs> let's move on. Choke me with that one. Yeah. Uh, well, see, we we learned something today. <laughs> did we? We I learned don't think we did. a thing about grenades. Pills. Yeah, that's uh, uh, and that's the tooth. My my oh, my next note is literally Chris Evans' genetics are proof that God shows favoritism. <laughs> <laughs> he is too good looking. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is uh, this is his origin. This is his, his foray into becoming Captain America. You might even say diving into that river was like his baptism. Yeah, becoming this character. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, oh, well said. Yes, Thank you. very true. Um, definitely a, a resurgence there, and yes, he comes out. Uh, and so I loved it, yeah. And, and he comes back, he's getting his blood tested. I love Howard Stark in this movie. He definitely sells the movie a lot. He's a fun character to follow around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love how Hydra technology is just weird. It's different, but it's way more advanced. Uh, and then Colonel Phillips is a. I love that they have Tommy Lee Jones, great character in this. Uh, and so here's what's interesting to me. So Captain America, this is after the Disney deal, mm-hmm. but it's still Paramount's releasing it. Uh, Paramount's final, essentially final film, really. And uh, so what happens when it's a Disney movie? There's a musical for some reason. Now I'm gonna, I'm just gonna put this on the on the table here, right? Yeah. This is my favorite part of the movie. Um, I don't use this word like to say. I I truly, I truly do not use this word lightly. I think this scene is perfect. I think it is mm-hmm. absolutely perfect. And you're looking Wait, at are you talking to me? Are you telling me the setup or just the musical number altogether? The altogether the the whole Star Spangled okay. Man with the plant thing, uh, because a it's a great catchy song i was humming it for like weeks after i saw Who's it strong and brave say the american higher than eagles well it was it was written by i think i want to say alan silvestri wrote it who wrote the avengers theme yeah uh, i want to say it was him i could be wrong but it is exactly what when he was created by stanley and jack kirby exactly what this character was doing for america at the time yes it was it was the movie essentially being meta whilst being entertaining and whilst developing the story and progressing cap story but also being meta and saying to us look this is what this guy was initially made for looking back now it's pretty silly he is and and steve rogers himself in the movie is even coming to terms with this and admitting it he's just strutting around like a red white and blue peacock and it's exactly not what he wanted to be well yeah because he he, in the scene later on after after legit the end sequence of his tour um he he draws a picture of himself as a dancing monkey yeah and that's what that's what he that's what he thinks he is um i mean yes it's a lovely scene it's a great way to i love that actually it is a great way to look at what made captain america in the comics which was in the early times it's yeah he was used for war propaganda yeah it was a propaganda machine i have um you might have the same book as me i have a book or it might have been in a wizard magazine where yeah it was a wizard magazine where they were talking about jack kirby it was like a little biography of jack kirby and they were talking about the point where they got to captain america and uh, Stan was saying how he and Jack would get threatening letters from Nazis or Nazi sympathizers who lived within the USA, uh, basically bashing Captain America because Captain America would punch out Hitler in these comics. Like he would be very. You actually see the comic in the movie where the guy you see one of the soldiers reading the comic. That's right. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So the, he's he, he was that sort of figurehead, 
And in this um, article, this biographical article, Stan was saying, like, we would get these letters. And Jack Kirby, he remembers Jack opening one letter one morning from a guy saying to Jack, like, hey, Jack, pick a, a lamppost in Times Square because when Hitler wins, we're going to hang you from it. Like, the, the, it got dark. Like, they were they were very, um, the, the Nazis were not fans of Captain America right. at the time of right. World War II. Uh, so that was what he was there for. He was there to to be that character that the kids can in America can be running around and be like, hey, you guys want to play stickball and read Captain America? Oh, he really punches out Hitler in this one. He socks him a good one. Like that was their their hero that they look. I don't know why all the kids of World War II sound like they're <laughs> from the Lower East Side of Manhattan. <laughs> <But> <laughs> from Jersey. <laughs> but that was uh, that was his his sort of uh, the reason for his existence. And they couldn't get around that. They couldn't ignore that in this movie. They couldn't have him just be like, I'm the hero now. Because it would have been weak and it would have been kind of disrespectful. And he needed, they needed to call attention to that. Look, this is where this silly thing comes from. Because at the end of the day, my stomach's rumbling. I don't know why. At the end of the day, the Steve Rogers they showed us in this movie would not willingly wear those colors, wear that outfit Unless he had to go through all this and realize that it's a symbol. Otherwise, he would have just been like, put me in soldier yeah. fatigues. Let me fight the war with mm -hmm. my with my fellow Americans. Well, and I loved it, too, because I love that he's like where the mayor comes in and he's like, uh, he's like, I with all due respect to the colonel, I think he's missing the point. He's like, son, do you want to? And it's a classic marketing move. Like, he's just like, do you want to represent your country in the most important battlefield of all? Mm -hmm. and he's like, yeah. And I love, I love it. It's such a great like setup. Yeah. And then he's wearing the classic uniform, <laughs> classic shield. And then you have the musical number. It's a fantastic number. And then I love how he does the punch to Hitler, which is a great nod. Um, I didn't know that about the history of that comic, but that's yeah. that's believable though. I mean, that's wow. Um, and so the end of it, uh, he again runs into uh, Bucky's squad, the the one oh the one oh eighth or the one oh fifth. The Howling Commandos. Now, funny you should say that uh, because we're so yeah we're we go through the rescue mission, mm -hmm. which is so much fun. Oh my god, and I love he's wearing the leather jacket and the helmet, yeah. and even the cheesy moment where she's like, "You can't give me orders," and he's like, "The hell I can't! I'm a captain." <laughs> I just love it. It's so it's I don't know like the the cheesiness works in this film and it's done so much. I think because it's, it's a period piece. That's why yeah. I think you're so right when you say they should make Fantastic Four a period piece too. Yeah, because it's it's that kind of cheesiness and it would work with that. It, it is, and I I really hope they do shoehorn Fantastic Four in kind of a period piece way, even if it's like more of the again. I think they're going to try to fit it in with the 90s because if Captain Marvel was going to space exploration mm -hmm. in the 90s, mm -hmm. it makes sense for Fantastic Four to do the same. However, they still haven't... I don't know. They could go They could go post... They could go 60s. They could go 70s. They could... They could as Marvel does with like the satire of what's going on in the real world, I think I'm using that the right way, um, during the Space Wars... You can do the Fantastic Four trying to beat the Russians yes. to space and make the Leviathan like yeah. the, the evil faction. Anyway, I I go on. We go on. Um, point is, uh, what the point? Oh yeah. So Howling Commandos. Let's talk about Howling Commandos. So rescue mission. So much fun. Um, great action sequence there. And again, uh, now 
during the rescue sequence, he comes in and they're like, who are you? And we're introduced, first of all, we're introduced to the Howling Commandos in the cage mm-hmm. where they knock off Dum Dum Dugan's hat. Yeah, uh, oh, I love Dum Dum Dugan. And I'm glad they introduced him because he's uh, he's had a weird timeline. Uh, Neil, McDo- Neil McDowell. Neil McDonald, yeah, he's, uh, he's perfect for it. Perfect for it. I actually didn't think he looked like the character until he actually had donned the outfit. Mm-hmm. But he looks like uh, Dum Dum Dugan. Um, but yeah, so I love like he's like you know what, Brits, one day I'm gonna get a stick of my own. I love I love it. But actually, the Howling Commandos, fun fact, was actually a dare from DC Comics because uh, yes, was yeah. uh, they were best friends at the time. Uh, Stan Lee and the owner of DC, they would meet at a, all the comic book artists from Marvel and DC, including Stan and all that. All the creators, they would all go to this one bar and they would just talk about their comics. Yeah. And and one night, DC dared Stan Lee. They're like, "I want you to make a." comic book about a military group and give them the stupidest name yeah and he thought the howling commandos was the dumbest name but he did it and it actually turned out to be a super successful comic so it was nick fury and the howling commandos and he thought that was a really really dumb dumb name um (laughs) and there you go dumb dumb dugan and dumb dumb dugan the only other one i know is gabriel jones i don't remember the names of the other guys okay so you have jim marita uh he was definitely one hold on let me let me bust out my uh Marvel character encyclopedia for yeah. this because I might as well kill two birds with one stone. So dum dum, Dugan. Uh, where's my G's? Where's my G's at? Gabriel Jones. Mm-hmm. And then we have Jim Morita. Oh, here's a, here's a good one. Mm-hmm. This guy's my favorite though. This guy's probably the most outstanding one because you recognize him a lot. James Montgomery Falsworth. The British guy. The British guy. He has just a more outstanding look, so he's That's more Richard rec- Armitage. That's um, mm-hmm. Thorne Oakenshield from uh, the Hobbit movies. Is it really? Yeah. Oh. So what's his name? James Montgomery Farnsworth? Fallsworth. Fallsworth. Uh, and then you have Jacques uh, Dernier. Dernier. Uh, and there's a few more Halloween Commandos that didn't quite make it onto the roster, mm. but we have definitely some of the more primary ones that you do recognize. Uh, fun fact, also, later on in the comics, you know who joins the Halloween Commandos? I am going to take a guess. Please do. And say Wolverine. That is correct. Oh! That is correct, sir. Give that man a prize. I'd give you the Iron Man helmet, but no, it's not going to so, happen. Okay, it just means I'm one step closer to being right about Christine Everhart. So, <laughs> so yes, uh, James Howlett was uh, was a part of uh, Howling Commandos, and he was known as James Howlett. He wasn't known yes. as Logan. Yeah, it was back uh, in the days, back before his sideburns and his uh, his claws mm-hmm. kicked in. Uh, he had the sideburns, definitely not the claws. But oh, he true. Had the yeah, he would have yeah. had some. He would have rocked some 18th century yeah. going into 19th century. Definitely. So, uh, so the Howling Commandos are introduced here, and I love that they're like. Uh, who are you? And he's like, I'm Captain America. And he's, <laughs> and he's like, uh, I can't remember how they ask him, but they're like, um, uh, he's like, I'm Captain America. I've knocked out Adolf Hitler like a hundred something yeah. times. It's just like, wow. <laughs> they're all like so impressed. <laughs> yeah. They all buy it. Like, oh, uh, all right, so let's get into the Bucky rescue. So yes. he's running down the hall, and uh, so um, Red Skull sets off the facility to explode, and then you see Zola run to his office. Okay? Yes. Now I have I have one note here. I hate to cut you off because I know you're going somewhere, but I put here. There's the line where Johann Schmidt is like, because they're um, Arnim Zola is talking about the how they're not whatever they're experimenting on isn't working right. So Schmidt says, use up what strength they have left, Doctor. There are always more workers. 
And I wrote down, sounds like Red Skull and Jeff Bezos went to the same management training program. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Where are you? Topical. I feel like you and I are approaching this project very differently. <laughs> you and I remember Budapest very differently. <laughs> we do. Um, so, so, yeah, sorry. The rescue and, and Captain America rescues Bucky. So, okay. Uh, so, he, you see Zola run to his desk and he grabs a ton of stuff and puts it in his briefcase. Yes. If you pause it. Uh, at the right time, or if you look very carefully, you actually see the Zola suit, the the suit he's trying to build. No way. Yes. So yeah, you do see it, and then if you and then it shoots off into the map, and you see the, all the stuff, and then so Bucky. So now the cool thing is, is yeah, Cap rescues Bucky. A nice little exchange there, and then we we learn later in Winter Soldier is that he did the the testing of the super serum, super right. soldier serum. And when he when he gets into that room where Bucky's lying on the table, mm-hmm. Bucky's saying something, and I wrote down, I was like, is he saying words? Is he saying his key words like boxcar, like his? No, no, no. So so. I, that's interesting, actually. Uh, from my understanding, is he saying, when you're a soldier and you're a prisoner of war, the only thing you can say is your name and your soldier serial number. Like, oh, name, no. rank, soldier serial number. Like, that's what they tell you. Like, if you get captured, you just keep saying that over and over? Uh, it's not that you keep saying it, but essentially that's that's all you can say to mm. them. It's like, there's a, again, watch the cartoon. Uh, if you watch the cartoon, there's a great episode called Prisoner of War. And Cap gets captured by the Skrull. And there's a great scene where they're like, oh, there's, there's something you're not telling us. And he's like, yes. And he's like, name, Steven Rogers, rank, captain, uh, mm. serial number, four, five, you know, whatever. And that's and he's like, that's all really what they say. But yes, I feel that's what Bucky says. Um, but yeah, when I watched it, that's that's kind of the things I was saying. He's like Sergeant James Bonds, you know, and he's mm. saying things. But that would have been interesting had they have done that. Um so so Bucky gets rescued, uh, and they get him out. And again, all the fighting the Hydra battle was a lot of fun. Uh, you kind of get to see Howling Commandos having a good time. Uh, then we have the war reunion uh, after the rescuing of the hostages. And I love Stark playing with the Hydra technology and explodes and goes flying through the yeah. air. It's so good. I uh, love that actor who plays him. He's actually a really good actor, yeah, too. Yeah, Dominic West, I think is his uh, name. It's, it's um, Dominic something. And that whole scene, like post-breaking out the Highland Commandos and they're in that underground bunker, Yeah, everything in that bunker was really present in the trailer. I just remember that. Yep. It was really present. Like when he gives him the shield and and uh, Peggy shoots it, she's like, I think it works. Like that was in every single trailer. Uh, they mm-hmm. really played up those bunker things. Uh, and then, as you mentioned earlier, Marjorie Tyrell from Game of Thrones shows up. And, yeah. and she was only there, like, her first scene, she hands Tommy Lee Jones a file, and then she walks away. Yep. And I didn't know she was going to have more. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's, it's Marjorie Tyrell. And then she ends up coming back and having a big thing. So I was like, oh, it's not a big deal anymore. Uh, is this the, the one you're talking about? Is this her? That, yeah, I think it might be. Where did you... Yeah, I, that's Jenna Coleman. Yeah, she's from Doctor Who. Oh, uh, yeah, her name's Connie. Is Oh, yeah. And you know what? She also happens to be married to the guy who plays Rob Stark on Game of Thrones. No. So it's just full circle. Get out of town. Oh, I love Jenna Coleman. She's yeah. she's lovely. Well, it's funny you say that because um, I just, for some reason, I cannot find the guy who played Howard Stark on this list, wow. which is the whole reason why I came <laughs> on here. Uh, anyway, it's funny. I was looking for someone else. Yeah, there you go. See how it happens? It's funny how you say that, you know, yeah, she's dating uh, the guy who's 
is it Kit Harrington or the other guy? No, Rob, Rob Stark. Stark. Oh, Rob Stark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I forget Richard Madden. Richard, Richard Madden. Yeah, handsome dude, by the way. Very Oof. handsome. Um, Up for um, rumored to be the new James Bond, maybe. I would. I really would have preferred Ridge or Selba get it, but I get why it didn't play out the way it did. Um, but I will say it's interesting that you say that because uh, when uh, Marshala Ali got Blade. I realized that I was told in the story, or at least I think Kevin Feige told the story after he wrapped, um, after he wrapped True Detective, he went to Kevin Feige and said, "Like I want to do Blade, right? Oh, That's how wow. he did it." But what I didn't realize is when he was a True Detective, his co-star was Stephen Dorff, I think his name was. Um, he played the original villain, a Blade. He was Fro- or, uh, Frost. Oh, see. See, right? It's, it's all—it's it's like, all about it's those like, networks, man. It's Network like connections. Poetry, poetry. Yeah. Um, loved it. So, anyways, I wanted to point that out because you know those connections, man. Yeah. There you go. Now, once they finish in the base, they have we start that montage where Hydra, sorry, where the Howling Commandos and Cap go and they bust a bunch of, of Hydra bases, and it's all like and done in a. Not montage. yet. Not yet. We uh, we haven't done the reveal yet. Uh, so we so. Uh, Cap rescues all the Howling oh, yeah, Commandos. Sorry. Yeah, that reveals. Uh, and then Bucky and Cap are going through another side of the facility, and we get the first reveal of Red mm-hmm. Skull in full Red Skull gear. And I love it. The line dialogue, great, great exchange there. Just awesome scene. I love how he dents the shield. Yeah, that's actually a great comic book moment as well. Now, did Red Skull have super strength in the comics? Yes, he did. Okay, yeah. cool. Oh yeah. Uh, no one knows really how he became Red Skull. I think they kind of did a nice way, nice touch there that it's like, you know, they're both part of the same serum. Yes. Um, I, again, I, I some, some would say it's kind of like a writing cop-out. Oh, they just have the same serum kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, great scene, great battle. Um, the denting of the shields, classic. Uh, and I, and actually the missile is, is a similar design to the comic book. There's a comic book where he has like kind of like a missile helicopter kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, very cool. And then Zola gets the car, which is really Aww. awesome. Um, they have like a, a Burns Smithers relationship. Uh, like, yeah. what about me? <laughs> Not a scratch, Matt, doctor. That's a, Not a scratch. Not a scratch. <laughs> um, but I love the smile and the look. It's yeah. just very Red Skull. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, yes, they're, now we're back with the Howling Commandos. He reassigns them, or we reassign them. And Cap's now in good favors with everybody and, and makes the um, unfortunate mistake with hooking up with uh, Natalie Dormer, mm. uh, which, you know, we could all make that mistake. It's, we could, but <laughs> I, I'll tell you one thing. If it nothing, was Haley Atwell. Nothing against Natalie Dormer, but if I was within 20 miles of Haley Atwell, there's nobody else I would be Not, The most power in the verse that can yeah. stop you. Uh, so, so I love the, 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 the uniform putting together and then they, they go on the montage of them yeah and we were talking about does cap kill anybody yeah he takes a lot of people out in that movie man yeah. he's killing you were saying i remember that in the iron man one because i was like did anybody else kill him? you were like yeah man captain america kills fools and he actually uh not to jump ahead but he kills some folks in avengers as well yes he does um but this montage, with a machine gun. with a machine gun and like throwing them <laughs> off the helicarrier like those dudes are not alive anymore yeah um, in this montage i remember watching it and i just like this could be its own movie like cap and the commandos tearing shit up and oh, i the, love that scene like there's so much goodness in there and i wish we saw more kind of wish this movie was a little bit longer i i will say that that 
montage i just love the the introduction where like he's like hey what do you think and she shoots the shield and he's like i have some suggestions about the uniform and then just kicking that that adventure music just yeah that, uh. and then like yeah they're kicking down the doors and you see like the whole halloween commandos and yeah you're right you could do a whole mini series on that um I'm. I. I wouldn't be surprised if if during the the Falcon Winter Soldier that Bucky talks about those stories. Maybe in one of the missions. That would be cool. Um. There's a, definitely a possibility there. Uh. So yeah. So Bucky. Yes. That red star. That's obviously. Um. I, what I. What I believe. It's not mentioned in the comics or anything, but what I believe is the sign of the Leviathan. Is that red star? Oh, that makes sense because you said it's it's based in uh, the USSR. Correct? Yeah, it's, it's the Cold War, the Cold yeah, War. Era. Okay. Yeah, so so that I think that's what we're gonna see from the Black Widow movie. The trailer was gorgeous. Love to see that. But yeah, so anyway, so we get the them having fun and that war scene. I love uh, Red Skull again. Talk about evil. Uh, the guy's like, I'm sorry, Hershmit. We fought to the last man, and he's like, evidently not. <laughs> Just shoots him. Which is exactly what happened at Jeff Bezos' last uh, last uh, checkup meeting on his, his quarterly reports. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> we, we worked to the last man. Evidently, Evidently not. No. Um, and the gun he used, he ordered from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> to make so that he could write it off. I love it. Uh, great scene. Um, yeah, so again, there's not real, like, not real big Easter egg payoffs. I mean, it's nice to see the Howling Commandos. You see that you, that footage of them running through the forest used uh, during Avengers when he's boxing mm-hmm. and getting that nice little montage clip. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just a nice battle sequence, but let's kind of keep moving forward here. Uh, and... At this point, they f- they figure out who the last Hydra base is. It's in the Alps, yeah. um, and it's a fun scene. Uh, they uh, after so oh the train. We haven't talked about the train. So he loses Bucky. Yes, on the train. Um, kind of loses Bucky in a similar fashion in the comics. Uh, Bucky doesn't really fall off a train, but he does fall into ice, uh, and then the Russians pick him up, and then they turn him into the Winter Soldier. Uh, love that they did the Winter Soldier story. Yeah. Oh my God, great story! And it, again, it was very fitting to have Joe Johnston direct this movie because that train sequence. Again, Joe Johnston's a Star Wars guy. That's where he got his, uh, his 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 first sniff into the Hollywood machine. And that train feels like both the train sequence in Solo and the train sequence in Shadows of the Empire, the video game. Oh, they, the yeah. music is almost similar. Um, I can't remember. Oh, I the, love the Shadows of the Empire. Oh, yeah. great game! The music in this movie, I think it was also Alan Silvestri who who did all of it, and it was you could tell it just it had the right feel to it. So this was a very Star Wars scene through and through, like all oh, the yeah. adventures they go on. It was it was just phenomenal. it was it was fun. Um, so yeah, and then we get Zola. Uh, they capture Zola, and then um, well, that steak looked good. That's yes, they looked so good. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones, what a great interrogator uh, he's like um he's like uh he's like not gonna cooperate he's like i bought you dinner like it's dinner. great interrogator uh so anyway so okay so the pacing of the movie is really well done constantly really good then we see project valkyrie in a full effect which yeah. is really cool um cap invades the base gets captured by uh, Red Skull, and I love that line. Is like I can do this all day. I love that line. And, and by the way, that base was a lot easier to invade than it should have been. It was literally built with a wall Whoa. that was a ramp. That 
it could easily be scaled. First of all, the gate, yes, the gates, the side of the gates is these ramps, but yeah. beside the ramps are walls. But why would you have the ramps in front of the walls? I don't know. Yeah. But it was cool to see him use like the, the gadgets on the motorcycle, like yes. the rope, the fire. I feel uh, like the, the architect Hydra hired. They were like, we want to build this as base. It's got to be very, very... And, but they were like jerks to the architects. The architect was like, screw this. I'm going to put these big-ass ramps. <laughs> and then just watch what happens. Uh, I, You know what, though? The action sequences with Captain America, it was amazing. Like, throwing the shield yeah. was really cool. Um, and I love that he, like he's running by these tanks and he throws the shield. It ricochets and hits another dude. Uh-huh. Like All that stuff is so amazing. Um, but yeah, let's get into the, the, the climactic fight on the Valkyrie, the wings yes. of the Valkyrie. Um, so at this point, uh, the battle, the, it's, it's great. I feel like it's a bit too Star Wars-y with the laser cannons, a bit too heavy on the laser cannon stuff. Um, I mean, it was cool, cool to see the guns and everything. The missiles though, he, f- Cap does some pretty cool things. He takes out a dude with a knife, by the way. So yes, yes. he kills, we see him kill somebody. Um, whereas other scenes, he's just shooting into the camera. But he gets on board a missile because one of the troops gets on the missile and tries to disembark early. Uh, and he gets on it. And I'm amazed he was able to get back on the plane without detonating the plane. If you want to ask military questions, let me ask you that, sir. He's on a missile, a flying guided missile, and he's able to land it on the plane. On the plane. Uh, and yet he can't land the plane. I think the answer is witchcraft. I think I actually had a question about those missiles because I'm assuming those missiles have like something in their core that is from the cosmic cube. Yeah. Okay. Because as as he's doing his climax here, as he's doing his fight with with the Hydra agents, I'm thinking like, if there's no cosmic cube stuff in those missiles, then this is the most basic plan. That Red Skull is like, I'm going to drop missiles. Like, See, yeah, you and every other Nazi. Like, what? And this is this goes to show <laughs> this is, this goes to show how genius those writers are because those writers did uh, that scene with Stark earlier where he applied a little energy and exploded pretty yes, bigly, right? Exactly. So, uh, yes, I just said bigly, um, but it exploded pretty big. So, yes, that's why they did it. I think to establish that that's that's what they're doing. Now, speaking of things being done bigly, I have to Big, point out this is not a word. Let's not okay. let's not get this off the ground. Steve Rogers, all yes, right? yeah. His what I'm assuming, I think it's safe to assume, his first kiss was whilst he was standing astride a moving Nazi mobile, traveling full speed through a hangar, chasing an airplane that he eventually jumps onto that's right he's got me beat these guys <laughs> that, that is his you want to talk about manly that is manly wow that is yeah. man on a speeding car oh chasing a plane it's about to take off at full speed and he lands a kiss yeah and then Tommy mm. Lee's like i ain't gonna kiss you yeah i'm not kissing you uh so great scene so i love i love the fight with red skull now there's an interesting line here that is uh, reference to what's going to happen in the events of Endgame, which is uh, he says we could have the power of the gods. Mm. That is what Red Skull says, yes. and he says, "Yet yeah, you wear a flag on your chest and you play a, a game of nations kind of thing." But yeah, he mentioned it's kind of like deep foreshadowing there because yeah. his opening line is, "We could have power of the gods." And in the end game, we see Cap pick up Thor's hammer. Lo and behold, he picks up the hammer. Lo and behold. And I'm so glad now with with the gift of of hindsight available to me. I'm so glad that 
this was not the end of Red Skull. Because looking at this movie, you have, yeah, as you said at the top of the show, Red Skull is a big deal in terms of Marvel villains. Like He's, he's, he's near the top. Yeah, he's near the top, yeah. It, for a villain of that caliber to be defeated by just like, oh, I dropped a cube, I'll pick it up. Whoops. <laughs> like, what a disappointing way to go out for a villain. So thankfully, that's not, you know, his final... It was believed Curtain. he was dead. Yeah. It was believed he was dead throughout the rest of the saga. Um, and I was I was pretty... I felt pretty crappy, too, because I'm like, man, like that's a good villain. You do not want to lose. Technically, we're probably not going to see Red Skull do much more than what he did. But I'm glad we had some sort of resolution with it. Yes. Um, I was I was one of the one of the people that believed he was dead, and I was like, that really sucks. But it also opened the conversation at the time. Was like, is he dead? Because because we saw him shoot off into space. Yeah, you see this, and I'd never even realized the space until now, until this rewatch. Because now I'm looking for it. I'm like, what do we see when he touches that? And it literally looks like when Heimdall opens the Bifrost and sucks you up. Like you see that. That sounded wrong. Um, (laughs) You see the he gets this plume of color and he, he falls into an abyss of stars and that's clearly something it's the cosmos essentially yeah. um so so yeah so it's the cosmos actually i'd say when loki falls from the bifrost it's pretty much the same yes exactly color tone and, and look and feel so yeah so there's a lot of debate that the red skull survived which is really good we definitely wanted to see him come back um as being one of the great villains that they were uh, I will also mention, you want to talk about being pure evil, I want to see that painting come back. Because he gets a painting yes. when they're talking about Erskine. Uh, Erskine. And uh, I want to see, I want to see like, I don't know. I feel like, first of all, Doom would also have a painting of himself. But I would love to see either, like, once they do, like, Dr. Doom or something, has someone, some evil villain, Zemo. Yes, Zemo right have there. a painting of Red Skull would be really cool. Because uh, I know we're getting Zemo in in uh, in the Falcon uh, Winter Soldier. Uh, show have you seen the the costumes for that? Uh, I saw a screenshot of Zemo with the the, the face mask. and the hood and everything. Watch so. on Disney Plus, guys. Watch Assembling the Universe. The, Ooh, the yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting to watch that. They one. show it pretty much. It's like what you missed at D twenty three, but they mm-hmm. actually show like a lot of the costumes. And I will say that Zemo looks sick. Mm-hmm. Like Zemo looks amazing. But Bucky looks, Bucky's suit looks so sick. Uh, but anyway, so that's neither here nor there. Uh, but anyways, cool stuff. Great fight scene. I love the kind of inception where they, they climb along the yes. wall. Um, great fight scene. Uh, and then crash lands the plane. Great end to the story. Um, and uh, yeah, and then this was supposed to be interesting because that scene where he wakes up, after being in the ice for as long as he has, that was supposed to be the end credit sequence. Yeah, it really feels like one too. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a shame because the actual end credit sequence is just an Avengers trailer and it doesn't have the same oomph. No, it's, well, I think you go back to like the shock value that you're getting your Avengers movie. Like yeah. you're getting it, right? Um, but they really don't show any really big footage aside from Loki, like mm. being in the in the shot. Um, cause like, man, when we do the podcast on the Avengers, uh, the shock value, yeah, the, of that 
this is what you're going to see and it doesn't even scratch the surface of what you get is is incredible and i agree with you but still we don't get to see a good like jaw-dropping end credit sequence until i would say thor dark world i would disagree with you sir i think the the end credit scenes in avengers are well the main one that drops your yeah is... that one's good yeah. that one's pretty big but i still don't think it has the same umph as as dark world does in my opinion because mm. yes when we get to the avengers one you guys will learn about thanos in that one and 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 we get that classic line but i will say that um i still don't think it has the same impact mm. well, i'll be curious because I, I definitely still want to do our ranking post-credit scenes. Yes. Yeah. I'm really curious to see where yours are because I feel like your list and my list will be very different. I jumped out of my seat after Thor: Dark World's end credit oh, sequence. Wow. Physically jumped out of my seat. <laughs> okay. I wish I could have. My brother and I were there for that, and we were just <laughs> totally dumbfounded. Head exploded. Uh, nobody saw it coming why why has nobody ever recorded you watching marvel movies for the first time i don't know i don't know that's why we have this podcast um let's play a quick never tell me the odds which we play on rebel scum podcast all all the time what do you think the odds are that we see red skull in the loki show pretty high i i think we will um i i honestly think we will because at that point loki loki has what we now know as the space stone um and so clearly he he probably wants to get the infinity gems for himself uh so why not go to uh why not go to insert name of wherever it was <laughs> wow. Vormir. Vormir. Um, I never thought of that. I never thought of that show being him trying to find the stones, but that's I, a really good concept. Well, think about it, right? Cuz that's the, he he learns of Thanos's power and he fails. Yeah. So what are you going to do to prevent failure? Is you're gonna try to go back and make sure you beat someone in the punch. So. Which means Red Skull might be there. I think I, I don't know how much more we're gonna see of Red Skull. I would love to see that actor continue. I think he does have a lot of promise because mm-hmm. he's able to almost recreate what Hugo Weaving did. But Hugo Weaving just had that Yeah. Mm. When I heard he got cast as Red Skull, I was like, "This is perfect. This is there's nobody uh, yeah. else I would I would have." For I that. mean, even Chris Evans. Like at first, I was a bit worried that he was Captain America. Now I can't see anybody else yeah, as Captain. And I'm glad. Yeah, I I even could say like, at this point, I don't need I don't need any more Cap. I got like yeah. the full perfect run of Cap. I don't want to see more. I don't want to see less. Same with Iron Man. Thor, I can see more because the first two movies were a bit rocky for him. But when Ragnarok came out, that's why that's why I have like the hammer, the shield, and the helmet because in Avengers they always refer to them as like the big three mm-hmm. that that started the Avengers and really defined the Avengers. And I, I like that, so that's why I have the, the three props of uh, the main heroes. Yeah, they are they're not, and it's. The shield is probably my favorite. Of yeah, the shield's my favorite. When we went to go see um, Infinity War, I was holding it the whole time. Yeah, it. It I was, let you it hold a it. Moment. It was it's so heavy. I love how heavy it is. Same with Thor's hammer. We actually got a lot of call-outs, too in the audience. Yeah, people were out. digging it. Yeah, people were digging it. Now, the question is, are these two people, meaning you and I, are we digging this movie? How many Infinity Stones are we? I'm digging? giving it a gauntlet. I'm going to gauntlet. Oh my god. I have to, I have to, because it made me love Cap so much more. Mm-hmm. Like, it, to me, 
to me, Iron Man was realistic. It was it was grounded. It was it was the groundbreaking film. This one was like if I wanted a comic book to come to life, this movie was the comic book coming to life. Yeah, that's that's very true. That's very true. I I don't um, I don't stray too far from you. I didn't give it a gauntlet, um, but from zero to six stones, I have given it five point five. Wow, you didn't even stones. get six. Yeah, it's it's close, but. I literally, it's weird. The only reason that I'm doing this is I know as much as I love this movie that I love the other two Cap movies even more. So it's almost like I'm, I'm leaving myself <sighs> room. Nope. It's like I'm, I'm leaving the room because I know I like those more. Um, there's very little I could say that is wrong with it. Uh, it's funny, I'm, I wrote down here on my Blu-ray, it says, uh, Brian Erdy from CBS TV Movie Planet says, and it's quoted on the Blu-ray, the best superhero movie ever. I think that's a bit of a stretch, even for when it came out, but it is still spectacular. I mean, so, I mean, like, the only only comparison, though, is Iron Man. Like, the first Iron Man. Well, remember, at this point, Batman Begins and Dark Knight were out. That's true. I'm only thinking Marvel. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, mm. There's, you know case to be made for the the first batman yeah uh which a lot of people a lot of people love the first blade they would put it up there um spider-man one and two it's funny because you could easily make blade an mcu film there is nothing that yeah, could there's nothing really standing in your way yeah there's nothing standing in your way to just say that this happened <laughs> in the 90s except like putting it on the shelf and then like showing it to like your kid your five-year-old is like in love with like black panther and captain america and they put in blade <laughs> and it's just like profanity and blood and oh rain. yeah and they're like daddy what's a clitoris and you're like all of a sudden uh, Blade, everybody. Uh, yeah. Um, but good point. Yes. Yeah. yeah so so hold continue. On. I didn't write down. You have a gauntlet here. Ryan has the gauntlet. I have to. I have yeah. to give it a gauntlet. I don't blame you. I don't blame you one bit. Yeah. And I totally understand. And I mean, like, they brought in one of the best villains you could ever have. Speaking of which, let me jump into my character encyclopedia here. So we got Captain America, which, uh, and mm -hmm. like, God, you got Peggy God Carter, you got Colonel Phillips. Is Colonel Phillips? Uh, yeah, he's Colonel uh, something Phillips, whatever. Yeah, he's uh, he's a character. Uh, Erskine. Uh, you also have uh, what is it? There's a few actually. Um, you have the Howling Commandos. Mm -hmm. I got the Commandos here. Bucky Barnes. Peggy Carter. Oh yeah, Bucky. I forgot about How could you forget Bucky? I'm sorry. I was thinking of Peggy, and I got distracted. Oh, talk about talk about an actor though, Sebastian Stan, man. Yes, well done, Sebastian Stan. Red Skull, Red's, Johann Schmidt. Yeah, Zola, Doctor Anim Zola. Doctor Anim Zola. Yeah. And Zola. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now here's a question for you. So uh, ask away. In my Marvel Memorial Cemetery, so far we've got Ironmonger and and Ivan Vanko. Yeah. Which makes sense. Now, we did not put... Because here's the thing. I'm thinking, like, we're marking deaths. It would make sense to put Erskine. Dr. Erskine. Dr. Erskine. Yeah. But we didn't put Jensen. 
So, what, do we what, count the heroes? That's the thing. Yeah. What? How? How are we gauging this here? Well, I think the the point of the memorial cemetery was we wanted to track the villains that died because there were some good villains that. Went. I wanted to track everybody who died. If we want to track everybody, then yes, we need to put um, Jensen, and we need to put. Uh, oh, next film we'll need to put somebody pretty big in there. Yes, we will. Uh, okay. So, and then yeah, we need to put uh, Doctor Oskrine. So I'm gonna put Dr. Erskine right now then. Yeah, I almost thought I almost thought uh what's his name died? Cause, cause abomination. Like, I almost thought the abomination died, yeah. but he survived. Because mentor characters are weird because they always die. So mm-hmm. it's like but I'll put them in there just so the cemetery starts to build up, because really we only have those two villains. Uh like I said, Obadiah Stane has a beautiful statue where you can just <laughs> take a picture with his arm around you. Yeah. Uh but now we've got the Dr. Erskine grave, I think also has a statue where you can stand next to it and he points at your heart. <laughs> just a does good, the taps. Man. A good, good man. And there's like a little bottle of whiskey and you can you can have a schnapps. No, don't drink that. I don't have procedures. <laughs> drink it now. I'll drink it later. I drink it now. <laughs> uh well, yeah, that's Captain America, the Star Spangled Man with, with a the plan. plan. Yeah. I feel like the podcast should end with the song playing. Ooh. Yeah. I, w- I hope we can clear the rights to that. I'm going to see what I can do. <laughs> right. that, that is very, very fitting. Yeah. But uh, Mr. Ryan Whitehead, thank you. You are Captain America as far as I'm concerned. You will be. On May 24th, when you get married. That's right. You will be, you're dressing up as a captain. I will, we will share with you guys the, the groomsman photos, because let me tell you, the plan yeah. we have is pretty fun. It's, it's an epic plan, and I, I'm really proud of you for doing it. Thank you. Um, but uh, tell us where we can find you when you're not uh, being Captain America. So you can look me up on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, mostly Instagram, though. That's pretty much where I'm active. I'm actually trying to build out my Instagram a little bit more. But it's at Ryan, R-N-G-C. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... Uh, you can also look me up on Podcast Life uh, as uh, Brother Scrim. You can look us up on any podcast channel. It's uh, fun. Uh, you want to explore a little more in depth Mar- Marvel stuff, not so much movie recap, but more Marvel knowledge. Uh, you definitely want to check out Brother Scrim. That's my brother and I. And yeah, it's our, a lot of fun. Our predictions of Marvel and how we expect the stories to go. Uh, we actually had a fun one about um, about how how you'd introduce Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. My theory is though, yes, is the period piece, but my also my other theory is they're probably going to kill Human Torch pretty early on. Uh huh. There's a big there's a big Fantastic Four comic where Human Torch dies in like the first few pages. That'd be really ballsy. I like I, th- I think it's I think it's smart because I don't I Fantastic Four. If you tried to do them now, like nowadays, mm-hmm. I'd be very surprised if you if you do them now without because like human torch is too generic of a hero in terms of like he's that blonde confident character you don't really need that right now like reed richards is like the the rick morty in fact rick morty is based uh rick sanchez is based on reed richards the council of rick all that stuff that's all that's all things that happen with reed richards so my brother and i do a good in-depth stuff there so brother scrim check us out there um and yeah and uh hanging out on this rebel scum podcast it's just been a it's been a dream uh to do this with you sir and uh it's been a dream to do yeah it. and uh we got plenty more to do uh where could they find you actually um well usually you can find me within like in your hearts within 200 feet of uh, wherever Haley atwell is you just go there <laughs> and yeah. you'll find me the restraining order does not let me get closer <laughs> um but then you can also find me on youtube at uh, rebel scum podcast or at my andrew fantasia youtube channel 
um, when I talk about stuff that's not necessarily Star Wars related, but sometimes it is because all roads lead back to Star Wars in yes. some way, shape, or form. Just like how Joe Johnston directed Captain America, he was a Star Wars guy. That's right. That's, that's how they roll. Uh, but that has been Infinity Rewatch for today. That's been Captain America. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you all have a marvelous day. <laughs> <laughs>